Welcome, everybody, because this is the Motion Pixels Podcast. I'm your co-host, August Meyer, bad boy of podcasting. This is my co-host, Matthew Rawlings, a similar bad boy of podcasting. Matthew, say hello. Hello. And joined this week by what many, who many call one of the badder, I consider the baddest boy of comedy, Dane, Kevin Cook. Dane? Yes, that's me. Hello. Uh, And this is... Is the motion pixels podcast uh, so you were talking about a weed conspiracy earlier <laughs> first of all we're recording this on federal holiday 420 um i just wanted to make that clear to the audience this yeah. is a celebration so i have a weed spiracy is what i'm coining it and um it's not anything to do with doobies or joints or ganja or any sort of that kind of stuff it's more to do yes i know uh this is more family friendly it has a lot more to do with animal crossing so a little bit of background is that i i don't know how much you've paid attention to weeds in animal crossing but man they're kind of cool this time around before weeds and every other game was just like a little tiny plant that you would have to pluck or it would ruin your town rating. Now they have very, very little effect on your town rating it, to none at all, as far as I could tell. And um, they're more decorative. Um, there are certain weeds that are like tall, and those are the ones that like appear on your island when you first start. Or if you go to like a mystery island, you'll see them all over the place. They're like tall weeds. But when you pick these weeds and then you plant them, they're like little small buds. And you're like, oh, that's cute. Still kind of cool for decoration, but. Not as cool, in my opinion, as the big taller ones, because those ones look more like tall grass. Anyway, I was figuring from the very beginning that if you planted a weed on the ground, eventually it would grow very much like a flower into the full-bloomed version of the weed. And uh, after playing it for a month now, and even time traveling uh, forward uh, a month to unlock certain things and then going back in time, so technically my island is like two months old now, None of the planted weeds that I, I've put on the ground have grown at all, and I assumed, after doing very minimal research, uh, that weeds just don't grow. Until about a week or two ago, I saw someone post a picture of their little farm design that they made, and I did that in air quotations because it was basically just a bunch of like mud paths and they had planted weeds on top of them and those weeds were all various heights most of them tall and i was like wait a minute it's on a dirt path which uh naturally growing weeds obviously you can't put a path underneath them so that weed had to have been planted and grown and i was like what the heck so i went out of my way to, to message this person on discord they had posted this uh picture in the in the animal crossing discord because i was lurking the uh the little map showcase chat for uh, ideas and inspiration. And um, I asked them, I was like, how did you get your weeds to grow? Because my, gr- my weeds don't grow at all. And they're like, oh, I just, you plant them, and then, then like a couple of days later, they're, they're fully grown. And I was like, that, no, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> wait, huh? And I was like, did you water them? And they're like, no, lol. And I was like, well, fuck me. I'm sorry for <laughs> like being surprised at this because my weeds have stayed small for effectively two months now and 
I cannot get them to grow no matter what I do. I've done so many experiments over the last week. <laughs> I've put them, I've put like this little like testing area out on my island where I have like weeds and rows and I've watered each of them with a different type of watering can. Uh, I've let rain grow on them. Uh, I've put them on different pathways. I figured maybe, oh, if you plant them on a dirt pathway or a mud pathway, maybe that's the how you get them to grow. Nope, nothing works. And so I've been sharing this with Leah and she has the exact same experience. None of her weeds grow at all. And I don't really know what is going on, but I find that there are most people who have weeds that are growing without doing anything, as far as I can tell. Like they just plant them and then eventually they just get larger. Uh, and then there are cer- there are some people that I found as well who have the same experience, Leah included, but also just random people that I've found talking about it. Very few people are talking about it, though, because I don't think very many people care, <laughs> because I think most people de-weed their entire island first thing and never think about it again. But I have been using them extensively for decoration, so I, uh, I've i noticed that all of the weeds that I've placed precariously around the island to spice up certain areas and make them feel more overgrown and stuff, like, they don't, they haven't budged. So there's a weed spiracy going on that's essentially um, uh, the whole weed conspiracy thing that I had had uh, set up. I was thinking about making a full-length video about it, uh, but today, actually, on 420, Leah started a Discord where she was inviting a bunch of people uh, to compile evidence and stuff, so it's going to be really useful. Uh, <laughs> I don't really know exactly. <laughs> this weed conspiracy is bigger than all of us. Yeah, it is. It's huge. I think Nintendo... I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It's like... Is it a bug? But if it's a bug, then how come it's only happening to certain people? Like, if it, you'd think that if it was a bug, it would happen to everyone. But like, why? Why is it only having to specific people? Like, and and it's never consistency. We're trying to find a consistency. That's the thing. Is that we're trying to find what is the thing that people whose weeds are growing are doing, or the environment that they're in that is causing them to grow, or not necessarily causing them to grow, but like, you know what I mean? We're trying to find like a similarity between all of these islands where their weeds grow versus all of these islands where weeds don't grow. And we haven't been able to find it. Like we assumed maybe like, Oh, different hemisphere. Nope. Not at all. Uh, and we assumed maybe the water, like obviously we were like, Oh, people are watering them or water is affecting them. Doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, we were trying like digging them up versus picking them. Uh, that didn't do anything. Like whenever you dig up a fully grown weed, like it just puts it as a weed stack in your inventory, and then whenever you plant it again, it becomes a small one. Uh, like there, there are many different ways that you can interact with these weeds, but it doesn't seem to make any difference. I think it's just that some people's islands grow weeds and some don't, and I don't know why, and it's really bugging me. <laughs> and I, I literally have lost sleep over this, like just like googling, uh, trying to research it. It's like. It's something nobody, it's like, it's strange. Like nobody really talks about it and nobody really seems to care. And I think I'm the only one that cares. <laughs> so uh, so Leah has started this discord uh, to just yes. like basically do research on all of this, like ecological research. Yeah, she's compiled because she streamed apparently earlier today and she mentioned it. And there are, of course, a bunch of people who are like, yeah, my weeds grow. And then some people were like, oh, my weeds don't grow. And so she was like, okay, everybody needs to compile these, this evidence so that we can find the 
the the um the consistencies like that's how we get to the bottom of this we have to find we have to ask all these questions specifically like get all these people in a room essentially instead of just finding posts on forums oh and i forgot to mention i know i'm talking a lot about this stupid weed spiracy no this is but, a great conspiracy <laughs> <laughs> but uh apparently leah found screen or she found a person who owned the official uh guide book right because every game usually comes with like an official quote-unquote guidebook that's usually compiled by a bunch of people who play the game before it comes out and it's endorsed by nintendo and stuff and then they sell it in target or whatever um apparently there's a section in the book that says that if you if you water and it's very very detailed if you water weeds apparently there's a 20 percent chance that it will grow but that that's <laughs> not that's that's so specific you'd think it would be true but it's not true it cannot be true because i've watered so many goddamn weeds it's rained so many times on my island and i have so many planted weeds sitting out that that there's it's like a statistic um, i can't talk it's a statistical <laughs> improbability that the weeds all of my weeds just haven't grown at that 20% number. Like it doesn't make any sense. And that's in the, in the official guidebook. And I don't know where they would get that information besides Nintendo themselves. You'd think that the official guidebook would have some sort of in or some sort of access to the data. I don't know if there are like, there are a bunch of people and we are going to get into it later. <laughs> I'm assuming the people who are data mining this game, if you can stop data mining and trying to figure out like what kind of new bushes we're going to get or whatever, and shut up about that shit and tell me, how do you grow weeds <laughs> like data mine and find that because that's important i don't care about bushes i care about the weeds man I care about okay. the weeds all right dane so i'm a numbers Sorry. guy right i'm like a you know i'm a developer and i'm thinking about this you're saying that in the official guide it says that if you water your plants if you water your weeds there's a 20 percent chance that they will grow into like full weeds, tall weeds. There, there's it, like a bunch there. You know how like flowers have different stages when they grow mm -hmm. and it's automatic each day and you don't have to water them and they just automatically do that. Apparently, mm -hmm. according to the guidebook, you can set it into that series of, of stages uh, by watering them. And there's a 20% chance that it'll grow into the next stage. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it said. It said something along the lines of that. I can't remember if it suggested that it would make them duplicate if you did that or if it would make them grow. But there was definitely like a concrete, it gave like a concrete way for you to grow your weeds to different stages and it, and it involved watering them. And there was a, it wasn't guaranteed. It was a chance. And so I, I was like, okay, that's like I said, it's so specific that it seems like it would be true, but it, it's obviously not. <laughs> I mean, at least not on my Island or Leah's Island or a bunch of other people's islands. I think it could be read and maybe I'm just being pedantic here, but I think it could be read as, if you go through those steps of watering a weed, there's a 20% chance that you are one of the people that can do that. You know what I mean? Rather than, you know, two what? out of two out of 10 times, if on anyone's island, if, if you were saying... to water, I'm saying like, I'm saying that like one in five people have the ability to do this. So if you what? were to water, one in five people have the ability. I bet, you know, you should talk to, you should talk to Leah. And this is I, Leah. I will bring Dunkey's, that up, but... It, uh... No, I, I, this could be a thing. This could be a thing. Uh, it's a stretch. You should it's you should get the numbers. Because here's the thing: you should get the if numbers. that was true, you'd think that they would be more specific about that. They'd say specifically, one out of five people can grow weeds on their island. All right, instead of just wording it in that weird way. One, I mean, I've two, read a lot of bad technical documentation, so it's possible these people just documented very it's poorly. It's possible, but two, why would there be a mechanic in this game? There are a bunch of confusing mechanics in Animal Crossing. I'll give you that. There's a bunch of weird like 
you know, choices like not allowing you to craft a bunch of stuff at once. But why would they only allow one fifth of of islands <laughs> to grow weeds? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why would they? Why would they like gatekeep like eighty percent of a mechanic for no reason? <laughs> Randomly. I, have a theory. I All right, don't what's know. Theory? I don't know if you've tried this. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. But have you tried planted weeds versus natural weeds? Okay. How so? Like. Them have in a you pit? no in a have you pipe? tried have you tried watering weeds that have grown without you planting them undisturbed oh i see what you mean oh like weeds that show weeds up that were on the, the spot island. they spawned not you not that you, you know what's there. strange you know what's also strange is that i don't think i've seen weeds spawn anywhere either and i feel like i know my island pretty well i i think i would notice if like a random Weed popped up somewhere. They spawn from inactivity. So I've been getting more recently. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So if you don't yeah. play, so I had two theories. It's either that it may be that it might be a bug, because um, that sounds weird, but it might be yeah, that only be natural bug. weeds can grow. Or uh, no, my that other does theory, make sense. Yeah. The natural weeds, only natural weeds can grow thing does make sense, but. And I thought that that was what the case was when I first started playing and realizing that my planted weeds weren't doing anything. And I was like, oh, I guess only natural, naturally spawned weeds are grow. They're kind of annoying, but whatever. It's a mechanic. Uh, it's whatever. My island doesn't look terrible without it, so it's fine. But now that I'm seeing people who are clearly able to grow weeds, it was it was confusing me. I was like, well, what am I doing wrong? And then finding out that I'm not doing anything wrong, these people just have an ability <laughs> No, see, uh, another thing I wanted to add is that the people you're asking or people that are helping you look into this are active players and you yourself are an active player. Yes, and weeds yeah. are a mechanic that originated from punishing unactive players. So mm -hmm. a bunch of people that play the game all the time are investigating a mechanic that used to be designed uh, for people that didn't play the game. Yeah. So it might be that the fact that you're observing the weeds and trying to get them to grow maybe the thing that's not causing them to grow. Like the people be. you see with grown weeds, do you know if they play every day? Well, I don't know, but I, I would assume so because there are people who are saying like, oh, if you just if you just plant the weed, then the next day they'll be in the next stage. I, I See, I'm willing to bet that it is, uh, it's something like if you have a weed, that there's a 20% chance that the next time a weed would spawn that that, oh, that weed is going to grow. And it like, so if you take a day off, it's possible that your weed's going to grow even taller. But I don't think these people are taking days off because I, 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 I don't think that people do that. There are Because I've talked to people who don't time travel and those people say that their weeds don't grow, right? And for instance, a good example would be Leah. She clearly plays the game every day and, mm -hmm. uh, and her weeds haven't grown at all. But... At the same time, there are people who um, who play the game every day just like her. I, I see what you're saying. Maybe I should maybe I should ask around. Maybe I should ask if people are skipping days. But I don't know why that would I don't know why that would affect it. If all of a sudden, like, oh, if you skip a day, now you can grow weeds. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. Well, because it's not. I don't think they're supposed to be pretty, right? I think weeds are supposed to I get be it. ugly. Yeah, and I, I bet get, weeds I that, that are more grown are worse for your town rating. Maybe I don't think that I don't know if that's true, because I would I, I would love I saw to find a chart, out. But I saw a data mine chart uh, from somebody who who uh, who listed all of the 
like scores like the official like like there's a rating system uh attached to every like thing that you can do for your town that goes towards your town rating and apparently apparently weeds uh were a zero (laughs) like they just put zero next to weeds Hmm, i think that was just to clarify weeds don't do anything like they don't affect your town rating well, it's a good thing Leah launched this initiative. Because well, I, I mean, I've been talking about it with her for weeks. <laughs> uh, and I was telling her, I was like, I want to make a video about this if I can get enough evidence together because I think it's just so funny. One, that I think the concept of somebody being obsessed with the weeds from Animal Crossing is funny. <laughs> and two, it's genuinely, like, <laughs> I'm genuinely curious about like what is going on with this because it doesn't seem like your typical bug in a game because a, a bug in a game is just something where nothing works for anybody. But it's weird that, that there's a bug in a game where only some people are affected by it and some people aren't. Do And I don't know why. <laughs> uh, so it's yeah, just it could it's be interesting some... and funny. It could be some weird combination of, you know, parameters from people who are people who are playing and just once you have those parameters, you're just a person who can do this because it seems like you're it sure. seems like the people who can do it never lose the ability to do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They just are so, gifted with this. But it's like what but it, if that is the case, which I feel like at this point that seems very likely, what do you have to do to do that to get that power? Yeah, <laughs> what there has to be choice something, did I make? What where did I get in, into this crossroad? <laughs> you know, there has to be a series of steps. It has to be reproducible. Is, is sure uh, the developer in me is saying it has to be reproducible. If it is, a bu- if it's even, intended, I mean, it sounds kind which, of a bug. It, that's you know, what I'm saying. Not, is it doesn't sound like it's an intended feature. Yeah, to me, the software is weird, man. Yeah, you should you should make a video. This this sounds like it could go pretty deep. Like, because I bet if it is like a like a like a software bug, there's probably a super bizarre series of steps. Like on your first day, if you ended your day at this time, then that caused the next day to start at this other time, and then step two, step three, step four, and like there's there's got to be something, and like it's totally going to be something you don't expect that causes this you know, thing that you and this community is obsessing over. What is, is this discord something that you want to plug? Is it like a public thing? Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, it's the same discord that, uh, I trade in. It's the, if you type animal crossing discord into Google is the first thing that comes up. It's like the biggest one as far as I can tell. Did Um, Leah, this is Leah B. I think her screen name is, did she start this discord? Oh, sorry. The, oh, I'm sorry. The Discord, <laughs> the weed, the uh, the weed conspiracy Discord. I think it's just invite only. She's been inviting a bunch of oh, people. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a public one, as far as I can tell. It's just. Oh, I, I thought we were trying found, to gather as much data as possible. I was like, bring no, no, in the no. freaking. I th- well, I mean, I think that she. I mean, as far as I can tell, there are eight people in there right now. Um, but I think what she did was she just found people who are like, ah, weeds don't grow in my town. Oh, weeds grow in my town. And then she was just like, all right, get in here and post a bunch of pictures and screenshots. And like, we're going to ask you questions about your island. (laughs) Everybody has to say like, all right, Northern Hemisphere, like what's going on? We need to get like a diverse amount of growers versus non-weed growers. And uh, or, or growers, growers versus showers, as we say. <laughs> so, Are you serious? Is that what you guys call them? Growers versus showers? And no, no, no. That would be funny, though. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Wait, 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 wait. What the heck? Sorry. Uh, there, I, I'm, I'm peeking into the Discord right now. I feel like there's been a, a significant update. <laughs> oh, please tell us. Please tell us. I mean, I, somebody who, who is uh, time traveling, I can't tell if he's time traveling one day at a time or not. Uh, apparently... Um, He's able to grow weeds, and I—he, I don't know. 
he's typing right now. But I'll, I'll, uh, <laughs> I might be able to. I, I, it's hard for me to to talk and shoot uh, to walk and shoot gum at the same time. So uh, yeah, well, I, I, I might I might tell you later if there's concrete thing that's going on. But <laughs> live um, updates. But already, I feel like people are making progress, which is nice because I I was basically just stuck fighting, like basically just doing discovery and stuff <laughs> instead of instead of just uh, getting people to to do experiments. Lately, you were talking about like knowing like the community is still trying to figure out what the currency of the game is going to be because bells are so easy to come by because you can just like mm-hmm. you know quintuple your money every single week with the turnip market pretty reliably. Yeah. What yeah. if? What if there was a set number of weeds, you know, that could be grown? <laughs> so weeds become uh, the big currency, like uh, bottle caps from Fallout or like paper and water world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, one day maybe. One day maybe. You well, know. there's a new currency in Fallout actually. Uh, it's gold. They, uh, they kind Wait, of for real? In nook- Fallout 76, they're not doing Wait. bottles in, or bottle caps anymore? No, it, you know what's funny is that it's almost the exact same situation with Animal Crossing, the bottle caps versus gold thing, where it's like Animal Crossing has has uh, bells and then they have Nook tickets, and most people are trading with Nook tickets because that's the solid currency. That's the one that people can't duplicate. That's the one that basically the only the only way to generate it is via time. Uh, that's kind of the exact same situation with gold, uh, gold bullion. Um, so the story is that America's gold reserves are in a vault and you have to break into the vault. And once you do that quest line, uh, you can basically do quests like, or farm events and get a very, very small amount of gold every day. Um, and so like, instead of bottle caps, right, which I mean, essentially bottle caps, (laughs) there are items that have been duplicated to, to shit in that game I'm sure and while there is a daily cap limit to like spending money in the game people can make alternates and like I don't know it's it's a similar situation in that uh, you can duplicate caps essentially uh, through a glitch are, or are you saying like through like due easy to glitches, exploitation yeah, yeah, of the like, economic system well it's very I mean even very recently um, there was apparently a bug that was just discovered and it had been it had been live in the game for a very long time apparently and uh people just discovered it it's via the the vending machines which which is why they're disabled right now because apparently they're fixing it but for i i was told today actually by somebody that for about two months uh people were able to to duplicate items and stuff and they didn't want to say anything because they knew that if they they made it public that bethesda would patch it and it apparently got leaked or whatever but there are apparently these items that came out during the Christmas update, right? Uh, and I didn't play during this time, but apparently there's these presents where you can open them and they'd give you a, a random a thing from a random pool of items. Uh, apparently you can get caps from them. Um, and so basically there was an item that generated caps and you could duplicate them very efficiently. So people were duplicating thousands of pound thousands of these presents. Uh, <laughs> so they were basically duplicating caps is what I'm trying to get to. So you so there was a duplication me- method in the game. It was slow, but it was still effective. So essentially, people were able to make infinite caps, very similar to the Animal Crossing situation where you just like make a bunch of crowns or whatever, and then you sell them and you get infinite money, or or even just I mean, <laughs> it's not even really a glitch in Animal Crossing. It's the turnip market. It's just an easy way to get money. 
Yeah, and it feels almost like an exploit in that, like, I know you were the reason why you and I guess the community is expressing skepticism about the stability of bells is because there's just so goddamn many of them. If you yeah. just, I mean, you can spend 10 minutes a week on the Discord, like finding a good turnip price. And just even with a small amount of money, like that can snowball so fast because Definitely. you typically buy it like 100 and you can almost guaranteed sell at 500 or more. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, quintupling your money every single well, week. Well, it's never, it's not even a risk. Like I think that it's intended Yeah, there's no for, risk involved. Yeah, exactly. I think it's an, it's a mechanic that's intended to have a risk very similar to a real stock market. Uh, but there is no risk because the internet is so coordinated. I think that they didn't prepare for that because it's like you can buy, like I think that the range in which that you can buy them at is 90 to 110, uh, which is insanely low compared to the the huge prices that you can find people posting their islands at all over the place. Like it's extremely easy to find someone who's uh, who's buying turnips at five times your price no matter what price you you bought them at. Because I think that people are like, oh, like my turnip prices were like 107 this week. I'm not going to buy because it's too risky because if, if it's a very good chance that they're, they're not going to be higher than that the rest of the week. Um, but it's like, well, you can buy them at 110 and still make millions of bells very easily. Yeah, there's, yeah it's uh, almost, it's like to the point where worrying about like buying at 90 or buying at 107 is like, hyper min maxing if you're already yeah. getting a 500 percent profit sure. on any bell you put in yeah yeah sure it's and it's, since you can time travel you can literally you can actually just do it every day if you set every day to sunday and just yep. throughout the week just go to people's towns that have 500 take that flip it to sunday do it over again they only spoil yeah. if you time travel when they're when they're on your island uh so all you have to do is just make sure that before you time travel again, just sell all of your turnips, yep. which is very easy to do. And people can just sit there all day, uh, you know, buy buy a round of turnips, basically like buy buy a uh, an inventory full of turnips, um, go immediately sell them to somebody who has time traveled to a point in their island when they have high turnip prices. Um, go sell them, immediately come back, buy more because it's still she's still there <laughs> you can still buy more basically like you don't even have to store them on your island you can basically just fill your inventory repeatedly make different trips even so i don't know it's an intended part of the game but at the same time i feel like they made a misstep in how not risky it is and so basically bells are extremely i mean we went in over it before bells are extremely reproducible and you don't spend them or destroy them fast enough uh to make up for it so it's just like a, a huge like flooding of the market uh that doesn't make any sense however nook tickets obviously um people attach a certain price to them but at the same time they're just kind of uh things that that are not as reproducible as that and uh i don't know people put value on them because you can destroy them and people do destroy them all the time by going to these islands uh because they're they're they actually are kind of worth using i've used quite a lot of them uh so it is nice in that way anyway the the similarity between that and Fallout is there are people who are duping a bunch of bells and basically flooding the market with bells and and they try as <laughs> you can tell that Bethesda is trying very hard to prevent that from happening. You can't like vendors have a certain uh, caps pool that you can uh, that you can sell your items to and then after a certain amount of t- uh, items that you sell like you can't sell any more to them until the next day uh, and it's like fourteen hundred. 
And then there, there's also the problem where uh, the cap limit, the amount of caps that you can have on your character at any given time is like 30,000. So it kind of becomes a bit of a pain in the ass if you want to start hoarding caps. And I think that they did it on purpose. Obviously, they're still going to try and do it on purpose to prevent like an influx of of caps. But I, I don't think that they realize, oh, like we allow people to make different characters and it's very easy to make mule characters, like characters that their entire purpose to exist is just to carry things. So they can just, you know, put all of their caps on a different character. They can make five different characters. So they can basically have like 30,000 caps times however many characters that they feel like making. Uh, it's very easy to get around. Uh, but the thing with gold, which they just recently introduced in the, in the Wastelanders update with the, with the Wastelanders update has made so many things uh, cool about the game in my opinion but the gold thing is like almost an answer to that in a way because uh i feel like uh you can trade it but people also really want to spend it right now on cool things and uh i think that everybody will always want to do that um and i hope that they they enable later on i hope that they add something that like you can spend gold on uh infinitely rather than like oh i already bought everything um but anyway it's uh you get them by doing events and stuff so it's very similar to uh to nook tickets in that like you do chores or whatever yeah you just if you spend enough time in the game eventually you'll get some gold but it's nothing like caps so it's cool gold between players uh yeah because um well gold it's it's weird in the way they do it like you don't get gold from doing events. You get um, little tokens or, 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 or certificates that you can exchange for gold. So it's basically just, um, it's wor- they're, they're basically just gold coupons. But you can turn them in for gold and then you use that gold to spend on like the cool items and stuff. Mm. So Dan, yeah. Dan, you're talking about the economy of Fallout 76. And sure. so, so it, sounds, it sounds pretty similar to the kind of metagame economy that you see in Animal Crossing, where just outside of the normal routine of the game, I'm assuming there's things that you can only get via this like like more highly desirable currency that is harder to come by by going to like other people's worlds. Is that is that similar to to Animal Crossing in that way? No, I, I, no. Uh, are you like, saying can you go like, to other people's? I don't know. Actually, maybe it'd be helpful to take a step back because I really, I've the last Fallout game I played was like sure, Fallout, yeah. a little bit of Fallout 4. And you guys are talking about Fallout 76, which is Bethesda's like first Fallout online game. Do you want to, Matt yeah. and Dane, and you guys have been playing this lately. Do you want to give some background on this? Like what is yeah. this game and like why are you playing it now? Um, Matt, do you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, um, sure. It's uh, It's basically like Bethesda's Fallout as a service kind of game. So it's structured a bit like you know, like Destiny or Division, where it's not like a true MMO, but it's kind of like taking a game that's designed to be played around, like, I think, what's the player cap? Like 16 players in the world, Dane? I think it's 24, but I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's Somewhere around there. It's like a big Fallout world. Um, It's uh, set in West Virginia, and the gimmick is there's a bunch of other players in the world. Um, And it's actually changed a lot with this new update. Before the the gimmick was there were no people besides the players so the only time you would run across like another human player would be uh if you saw another person because they wanted interaction to be 
organic and like give it a lonely feel like it's a, a it's like a wasteland and the only people there are the people that are building it up because the game is based around like kind of building a base and uh, populating this wasteland. Um, it turns out that was a decision a lot of people didn't like, um, along with it being very buggy at launch. Um, and over like the past year and a half, they've kind of fixed it. And now it's uh, kind of a different game where it's more, it still has the basic backbone where there's a lot of like games as a service thing where you're going to, they want you to keep coming in. There's public events, there's things you can do repeatedly. Um, there's things to grind for, but now there's also kind of like a, like a mini single player fallout experience. And by many, I would say, I think it's like a 12 hour storyline um, that I've heard is pretty good. I haven't beat it yet. Um, so it's kind of this, it's this really weird game where it's part fallout single player game, but there's a lot of the activities you can do with people like dungeons and raids and events and just weird things like that. Um, and I think the coolest part about it is like the, uh, the base building thing. There's this mechanic in fallout four where you could build your own base. Um, you said you played four a bit, Gus, did you, mm -hmm. did you ever build a base or a town or anything like that? I, I played hundreds of hours in fallout three in new Vegas fallout four. I literally, I got to the part where you could start doing that. And then I was mm. like, this looks, this looks boring. And I induced out of that entire game. Yeah. <laughs> like it was really, it was really robust in four and you can do a lot of cool things, but it felt kind of pointless in a way because like, you can make it cool and you could build up towns and there was like a whole people would move in and live in this type of thing um, mechanic in that game, but you could never show it to anybody. So I never really did more than the, I guess the minimum, but in this game they have that whole, the whole systems in and it's more, it's a little scaled down because you only build your own personal house, but you can put it anywhere in the world uh, for the most part, unless it's like, you know, already an area of the map that has structures. And you just build a base yeah. and you can you can build it up over time and you can even like sell stuff, uh, which is where like player economies and stuff come in. Like you can just be a vendor. Like I have a friend that plays this game and will just AFK and uh, <laughs> he'll just <laughs> AFK in his base so people can come in and actually buy stuff because it's only open when you're online. Um, and they, they can't steal from him. It's There's like a there's a marketplace built into the game. Uh, yeah, like like the game, the game had such a. The game's a lot better now, um, but when it first came out, it had such an identity crisis. Like, there's a mechanic yeah. where you, you can attack people's bases, but not really, because it doesn't really do anything. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> if I wanted to, I yeah. could go to somebody's base and shoot at it, but you do, like, no damage. And I think if that player has pacifist mode on, it just doesn't do anything. And, like, you can drop a nuke yeah. on somebody's base, and it won't do anything. <laughs> it's gone through so many different variations i've played i i played um the beta when it came out like uh, i was really excited for fallout 76 and what was that called I, the beta it was like the break everything test yeah something? break everything early test application yeah. or something um which i mean it's such an ironic name now looking back because essentially it was it, <laughs> they didn't really fix anything from beta i played a lot of beta <laughs> and and the whole time I was just like, wow, there's, there's, you know, good amount of bugs, uh, but this is beta. This is, uh, <laughs> this is acceptable to me. Like it's whatever, like it, but at the same time I could still see, oh, this game has some crazy potential to be like the next big thing. And I was really excited for it. But then a month later it like released and they clearly did not fix anything. 
Like <laughs> it was very strange. Uh, like I was like, what was the point of the beta if if it wasn't to to actually like find out what was wrong with the game and then fix those things? But they didn't fix anything. Um, they might have fixed some stuff, but nothing like concrete i don't know it had it i think most people know by now because it was such a huge event almost online where it was like the game to hate for a good three months it was like everybody who does game reviews was shitting on the game and and rightfully so it had a very terrible launch like the servers were very very unstable there were a lot of bugs and problems with quest lines and and not to mention i mean like matt already kind of mentioned it uh, the game has such, from the very beginning, I had such a, a weird uh, identity crisis, which is a great way of saying it. It's It didn't know what it wanted to be. It wanted to be a PvP open world, like, survivalist game, but at the same time, it also kind of wanted to be a Fallout game. And, and deep down, I, I have always felt like the gimmick where they're like, oh, let's have no human NPCs and the only humans in the game are the other players. I felt like that was like uh, a challenge that they gave themselves rather than a real good idea, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, like they built the game around that rather than like building the mechanics yeah. around what the game should be. I am, I, came, immediately into my mind came this idea, this vision of when they're working on Fallout 4, some like big developer guy who's like, you know, he's really ambitious. He's like, guys, Fallout 4 is going very smoothly. It's coming along really great. But what if there was a Fallout game where the only human players were other people? And then everybody stands up and applauds and they're like, that concept is amazing. That's a great concept. I love the concept. The concept sounds good on paper. It does. <laughs> you know what I mean? It really does sound good on paper. It really does sound cool. But in practice... I think most people found out that uh, it's not that cool, especially when they make weird decisions like um, like only allowing... I, I, first of all, huge compliment to the people who made Fallout 76. The map is uh, is amazing. I think that the biome separations, like they're all very distinct. They all have their very... Uh, they all have different uh, specific creatures that are native to them. And as a result the map is fucking massive. It's like the biggest open world map I've ever played by a long shot. And as a result, whenever you limit the server, um, like the player amount and I, uh, to, I think it was 24, or I think it might even be 16, like Matt said. I, I don't know. It's very small for a map that size. And I remember even in the E3 presentation, uh, he was very, uh, uh, Todd Howard, he was very specific in saying Oh, you won't be on a map with hundreds of people. You're going to be on a map with dozens of people. And I think that he was saying that in order to give people kind of like reassurance that they weren't going to be like constantly running into firefights with other people and they'd have to be hiding behind bushes and stuff. Because I think at the time people were assuming, oh, this is going to be a very PvP centric game. I think which, people thought it was going to be a battle royale. I think yeah, they thought well, yeah, Fallout 76 along was going to be like Fallout Battle Royale. Yeah, yeah. At the time, which, <laughs> every game was coming out with a battle royale. It was like a meme. Yeah, like, yeah. Like Battlefield had just come out with theirs, I think, or at least yeah. announced it. <laughs> which, ironically, they eventually did come out with a battle royale mode for Fallout. Um, but uh, my point being, um, 
it felt empty for two reasons. There were no human NPCs, and also you very hardly ever ran into anybody. And at that time, there were no player vendors or either. There was no vending machines where it encouraged people to go and buy things. Like you couldn't. You, the only thing that you could do was trade with people directly. And I think that they thought, oh, if you run into another person in the wasteland, like oh, you'll trade a, a few few stim packs and. And like it all sounds very very like developery, if that makes sense, like the idea mm-hmm. of Fallout seventy six, but in practice it was very awkward and weird and, and I think that like I don't know, the game is just so strangely ambitious and yet so strangely like limited by that concept of only only other players, the other humans. Like, you know what I mean? Uh so with Wastelanders, fast forward two years they basically, in my opinion, from playing Fallout uh, 76, again, I stopped playing around the time, a little bit after the Nuclear Winter update came out, which was like a year ago, um, Nuclear Winter being the Battle Royale mode. At that point, I kind of had this weird feeling in my head where I was just like, the developers clearly want this game to be a, a PvP game, <laughs> uh, and it's not. I, I don't think that uh, Fallout 76 is a PvP game. There's an there's like an adventure mode where it's like PvE uh, only. Before when the game launched, it was like, like Matt said, where it was in this weird situation where if you attacked another player, uh, you did barely any damage to them. But if they attacked you back, like, oh, now it's like full damage is enabled. <laughs> but still, you'd get people who were like doing what we call, what people were calling slap damage. Uh, they were they were basically just annoying people by just constantly doing slap damage to them. And if you didn't want to fight with them, then you didn't have to. But at the same time, it was still irritating having this other player just continuously shooting me. It was it, I, it happened to me a few times. It wasn't that prevalent, at least for, in my experience. But it was still a weird feature. It was just like somebody wants to PvP with you, but you don't want to do it. <laughs> like, okay, I'll just leave the server and go to a different one because you can do that. <laughs> um. But yeah, it it's yeah. It seems like like weirdly half baked. Like, like the pitch was made kind of like you what you were saying about how this developer gives this like inspiring talk about this cool concept he thought of. Yeah, and then they just accept it and build it, and then don't like listen. And to along the way, they were like, playing. "Oh, well, what do we do in this situation? Oh, well, um, I guess, yeah, I guess I could be pretty annoying if you're just sitting there minding your own business and then you get sniped. Okay, so I guess the first <laughs> shot." The first, the person who shoots first doesn't do any damage or barely any damage, uh, and then that person has to fire back. Uh, and so basically, the attacker is always at a disadvantage. Essentially, uh, okay, I guess that's just how it's going to have to work out. And then they implement it, and then it's just an irritating thing that only griefers do. And everybody's like, "Take this out of the game! It's so stupid! Like, it doesn't make any sense." <laughs> and and also like the whenever you're doing these uh, events and raids and stuff, like it's encouraged to do these raids and events to play your interaction. Like what are the raids with your in team? Fallout 76? Yeah. But it's like, if you don't have pacifist mode on, then you're going to accidentally be firing at people. And then yeah. whenever, whenever you're accidentally firing at people, those people can just now shoot you and kill you. <laughs> like, and yep. you didn't mean to initiate PVP with them. The raids are all PvP or P- no? PvE? They're all, they're all PVE. Yeah, there are certain okay. events that are PvP centered, but they're not. They're Wait, not really? really. Yeah, there. I can think of a few, but they're they're more like um, casual. Like there's one called Monster Bash, where the whole point is you put on a on a on a mask. It's at one of the high schools. You put on a mask and you run around, and then they the other players have to punch you. 
to <laughs> to punch can to punch candy out of you like a pinata, and then like whoever ends <laughs> the round with more more candy wins or something like. And so PvP is technically enabled enabled for that, but it's like not intended that you're supposed to be like killing people and like being awesome or whatever. Yeah, and I think that was implemented after, but like, like well, that wasn't always an event. But oh, the PvP huh. mode, what I'm talking about, like the the survival mode, um, that one is very similar to like Fallout 4 survival mode, where like you have to monitor your um, your hunger and your uh, and drinking and stuff. And I think that um, you can starve to death, or like you, I don't know. There are a bunch of like extra factors to survival, but also PvP is on by default and in that mode. The benefit is that you gain XP faster, so there is a reason to do it. But as far as I can tell, like the only people who play it are the people who have like gotten God armor and just want to test it out on other players or people who are cheating. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and just yeah. want to troll others and grief. Um, I don't really see a point to it existing, but it was very, it was very self-aware of them. I think to split fallout 76 into two different modes, because I think they realized, Oh, most people don't want this to be a P- PVP game. They want it to be a PVE game which is like perfect. I think that that's great. Um, and I honestly have have had way more fun in the game after they did that because I felt like, oh, everybody's just kind of like working together. It was, it, it, I don't know, it felt, it feels more like, um, like a World of Warcraft kind of situation where everybody's just kind of like doing their own thing, but at the same time, like you can be like, oh, hey, you want to team up? Like there are like a lot of benefits to teaming up like, you gain experience faster if you're on a team and things like that. So it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. Like, I I think I mentioned to Matt, it's like, it's hands down the best MMO I've ever played, but that, so that's a question I had. Is this Wastelanders update? Would you say with it, the game is more like an MMO because I know it kind of straddles that weird, like destiny MMO light kind of thing. Sure. How would you guys describe Fallout 76? Is it a, no, like an RPG with online components. Is it an MMO? It's definitely become more of an RPG with this update, but at the same time, I think that they definitely haven't shied away from the the online stuff because um, there's huge, there's way more benefits to doing events now. Um, before, I only did specific events because they had a higher chance of legendaries dropping, but now you get that special currency, that gold bullion, uh, from doing all public events. So it's like if a public event pops. Like if, if if a public event like appears on the map, then I'm going to go and do it. And a bunch of people will also go and do it because they also want to get gold. So it's like, oh, everybody's like kind of doing this all at the same time now instead of going to an event and like maybe one guy will show up because like he's new and he didn't know that the event's stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of cool. There are a lot of events that are like, you've done them so many times that it's like, it's not even, you don't even register what's happening anymore, but it's still cool to show up and see other people and, and chat with them and be like, Hey, what's going on? Like, you know, it's, it's cool. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. And there are so many different, like I have so many different, like cool interactions that, that I could, I could mention, but a majority of them are just with new players lately because a lot of uh, a lot of people are now starting to play now that it's on Steam and now that uh, it's like a real Fallout game. <laughs> um, and so it's cool seeing all these people and they're like, oh my God, he's level 200, I'm level five. 
what's up? And then I give them like some items and then they're like, they do the heart emoji and then they, they run off and die to something like, it's <laughs> like, you're, it's really fun and cute and cool. And, uh, I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm a big fan of the game and I think that it definitely got a bad rap at launch for a good reason because it had a terrible launch. But if anything, you cannot say that the developers, uh, gave up on it. Um, they've made some questionable decisions every once in a while, especially with the, the Atom Shop. But I, I have a feeling The Atom that, Shop? Okay, so the Atom Shop is basically the, the real currency items. Oh. And from the very beginning, Pete Hines specified... Who that is that? Never, Who's Pete Hines? Pete Hines is like uh, one of the major developers of Bethesda and uh, okay. apparently had a pretty big say in the, the development of Fallout 76. Um, he said very early on, either on Twitter or in an interview, that the Atom Shop would never feature any item that would give a player a distinct advantage. Um, it was only going to be cosmetics. He very clearly said that very early on. But since then, they've gone back on that quite a lot. And a lot of people kind of criticize them for also introducing um, a subscription service for the game after the game's already a $60 full price game, which I understand why people wouldn't like that. But I recently actually signed up for that service because, um, well, one, it's not that expensive. It's like eight bucks or something. Um, and, and also the stuff that they give you is very, very good and it doesn't feel like a huge advantage. It's just more convenience. Um, yeah. So what exactly, so this is like, is this similar to how you pay a membership fee to keep playing, like to get game hours with world of Warcraft? Well, the thing is is with world of Warcraft, it's like. Well, with World of with World of Warcraft, it's like free to play, right? Or no, no. I think sorry, it's free to play up to a certain level, and then after that, you buy you buy game time. Yeah. yeah, you you have to pay a subscription service to play the game past like the first like for a few levels or something, right? I don't know. I yeah, haven't... Matt, 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 you played it more recently. Yeah, WoW is it's free to play um, up to level twenty, and that's not gotcha. what this subscription service is. This is like this is like. Um, it's the closest thing that I can think of, which it's not even a good comparison is like RuneScape's membership where you just get more extra, you don't get really get extra content, but you get a lot of really convenient things. Yeah. They just give you a lot of like really good, like quality of life things. Like one thing is you get a tent you can place, which is basically a fast travel beacon wherever you want. Um, Yeah. You, you can store things better. Like you just get a lot of added benefits that normally yeah normally you'd have to like go back to your base on on like a specific part of the map to store things but with the tent you can place it down anywhere and store your things right away or you can just have it set what i have the way i've been using it is i have my actual base on one end of the map and i have my uh tent on another end of the map and it costs caps to fast travel so um but it costs no caps to fast travel to your bases and your tent so it's convenient in that if I want to go somewhere on the other side of the map, I just fast travel to my tent first and then it'll be cheaper to, to fast travel wherever else or walk to that, that area. So it's essentially just convenience. Also, um, they introduced what I think should be free, but apparently it's like the, the only thing that I think should be free. I don't really care about the personal servers thing. The other benefit of having uh fallout first, which is the subscription service is that um, you have a, it gives you access to private servers, which means that you can like host a, a server that where you can only invite uh, your own friends or something. Uh, which honestly, I don't really see the point of that. 
in the first place, personally. <laughs> it's like if you want to play Fallout 76 by yourself, then just don't talk to anybody. Like, or like it's not that play hard. Fallout 4. I don't know. Like, like d- d- having well, a no, service no, to Fallout play 4 a... and Fallout 76 are quite different. I think that Fallout 76 is essentially just Fallout 4, t- like, two fallout 4 2 uh it's 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 made with the same engine it's got similar graphics uh, i think it looks better than fallout 4 in my opinion but a lot of people then i mean that's kind of a hot topic but i mean it's it's uh it's a single player game if you if you play it like that you know what i mean like you don't have to you don't have to have other players interact with you like it's very much like world of warcraft in that you can just do things and never talk to a human ever. And you'll have a very similar experience. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's whatever. What do you think about that, Matt? Because I know you've been playing like WoW Classic a bunch lately. How, how does this compare? Uh, well, I haven't, I haven't played it for a couple months. Um, but I mean, there are two very different games. And like WoW gives yeah. you gives you different realms, realm types you can play on. Like there's, I played on PvP. So... Like, I did have to. Worry and you played about... a, you played on like a romantic PvP like role playing server. No, an RP. <laughs> yeah, are you no? Uh, those are a thing. Uh, RP <laughs> PvP and things like that. Those are things where you do have to role play. No, I just played on a normal PvP where uh, at a certain point the game just became awful because you couldn't go to certain zones without dying and you'd have to call for backup. Um, yeah, game's still kind of like that. And that's not like this game because you can choose to just be in PVE or PVP whenever you want. Um, and the only reason, the only benefit I saw to having private servers, which I think they might have changed, was some loot that you could get in the world was um, uh, by the world. So, like, if somebody took it, you couldn't pick it up. So, if you want to go gather resources... Oh, uh, and you're in a shared yeah. world. You can't get it. I think it's one of those things that's for added convenience that you don't need to worry about an area being looted or um, is filled with other people that you're yeah. trying to do. Very low probability already because it's such a small player base for such a huge map. Um, yeah. And also another thing that's kind of dumb and they don't market it as this, but the private server is really there for stability, or at least it was. Um, like my friend who really <laughs> likes this game got on a drunken rant once and he's like, dude, this game's great when you're out on a private server. Cause you don't have to worry about the server dying on you. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> like it's almost <laughs> like this game that was built upon a single player engine runs better when there's only one person in it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. what a crazy I idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's like a benefit of it. Like you just get better stability uh and that was a while ago um i think it's a lot better now like i haven't really had server issues in the granted i only played about like four days last week um uh (laughs) but i didn't see any issues then whereas when i was playing uh on and off the past year and a half it was kind of a coin flip like if your server was going to be garbage or not and it seemed to happen a lot so so yeah it's a lot better 81 hours in just the steam version so basically just uh uh, since wastelanders came out and i have only i've crashed a desktop a few times um but i feel like that was when i was playing on like ultra settings and Mm -hmm. i've since changed them and i haven't had problems since that um and i had a server crash once which honestly 
it could be better, but at the same time, compared to what it used to be like, World's better, 100% better, because I remember playing at a time when you basically were playing until the server crashed. <laughs> like, that was just the expectation. So, uh, yeah, I think that they've improved a lot of stuff about the game uh, in that sense. The stability is better. And I could see how having a private server would basically just give you that guarantee. Um, yeah. But but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. For me, I didn't get Fallout first because of the private servers. I got it because I was like, oh, it's extremely convenient to have uh, the tent, and it's also convenient to have that scrap box because I want to be... Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the scrap box is, I should explain it, uh, in your stash, which is like the private, um, it's like an ender chest, essentially, <laughs> from Minecraft, where you can put only your items in it, um, and when anybody accesses it, they're accessing their extended inventory, essentially, but that extended inventory has a limit of like 800 weight, um, so there's a limit to how many things that you can store, and a lot of people complained about how it's not enough that every Fallout game before has been a very hoarding-centric game, and I totally agree. I've hoarded a bunch of items in every Fallout game I've played. Um, but uh, because this is, like, a more survival-based and, and it's also um, they're supposed to be controlling an economy of some kind, they limit the space in your stash to 800 weight, which is too low in a lot of people's opinion. And I remember back when I first started playing uh, in beta, I think, the stash limit was 200. And then they, they raised it to 400 and people are like, more, more, more. And then they raised it to 600 and then eventually they, they've settled at 800. I think it should be 1,000. Um, anyway, this, the stash is mostly taken up by um, junk most of the time. Junk is just like crafting components. And um, the, the reason that they were giving for the longest time is that um, scrap, like the reason why they have um, the limit, the main reason that they were giving was that the more people who have um, like items in their stash uh, on the server, the laggier the server gets. They were limiting. They were like worried that they were gonna like cause server instability by allowing people to have, say, unlimited amount of items in their stash or whatever. And honestly, um, I don't think that that was not true. Um, I just think that they probably overstated it because with this Fallout first thing you can have unlimited amount of of junk in your in your trunk essentially <laughs> limited <laughs> amount of 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 crafting materials in your scrap box so either they fixed that problem and then immediately was like we can offer that behind a paywall <laughs> um that's what it sounds like to to my total third party that's what yeah exactly that's what it seems like i'm thinking Just, oh that, this is something that's highly desirable let's make them pay yeah, a monthly fee for it yeah and i'm not blaming the developers for this because I think, and this is what I was talking about a little bit, what I was going to get into with the Atom Shop stuff, I think that the people who are in charge of the monetary stuff in the game and the people who actually develop the game are two completely different groups. And I definitely feel it in the, like, the swiftness of the updates uh, back when I was playing, at least, uh, before, uh, and where the priority in updates were going, um, to basically... To put it simply, I, I I had always noticed that they would update the Atom Shop items way more than they would update the actual game. And I think that it's probably because it's easier to make skins for things and easier to make emotes and stuff. Um, but at the same time, I think that the people in charge of like pushing updates or whatever, I mean, when it comes down to it, I think that there are people who are just like, we need to make sure that this game is like making money. <laughs> you know what I mean? And 
the people who are like trying to make sure the game is good have to like listen to them. I think it's just a, a typical situation where it's just like the suit who doesn't care about how good the game is. They just care about how much money it's making is like in charge of these guys who are just like, ah, oh, we want to make the game good. We want to make the, make sure that the people who are playing it are like going to keep playing it because like, that's where the money is. It's like, it's not in putting cool things behind a paywall. It's, it's making the game good. Um, and there has to be a balance because they, I mean, these games don't pay for themselves. The servers don't pay for themselves, especially with course, a bigger yeah. game like this that has so many players um, and that's going to keep getting iterated on. Like it sounds like Wastelanders is a pretty substantial update. Does it add landmass to the game? Like, like how much no, content they didn't need is to do being that. added versus just like fixes a lot. With this Wastelanders I, update. I, I mean, I played a year ago and the, I, I'd say that I explored a pretty good amount of the map. They repurposed like a good, like third of the map. Like it's almost like they made an entirely new game. If you're, if I'm being honest, like it's, 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 it's almost like they made fallout five, but with this fallout four engine. Uh, and I know that it sounds like a ridiculous statement to make, but I mean, there's just so much like new stuff everywhere. It's weird. Uh, I feel, it feels strange. Like I got in this habit when playing fallout 76, where if I saw anyone or anything, it was very likely that it was an enemy <laughs> uh because uh it was very clear when it was another player they'd have like a in their name over their head so i would be like oh it's another player um but if i see something moving or whatever uh i'm like oh enemy and i i shoot it but with this it's like i draw my gun when i see like a person but half the time they're like a friendly just another settler like they're a settler npc and they're just like it's just a random encounter and they're just like Hey, I'm selling stuff or like, hey, like it's, it's like a Fallout game. And it's 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 kind of cool to see, uh, but it's also just kind of surprising to see in Fallout 76 because I never thought that it would be that kind of game. And, and I'm glad that it is now um, because it feels a lot more like a Fallout game to me, but it but it didn't le- it didn't lose any of the other stuff that I liked about the game in order to do it, which I think is perfect. Um, so it's been like a long fought victory for this team that hasn't abandoned the game. That still had, you know, it sounds like you played it at the very beginning and are now like coming back in full force. So that that's pretty cool. I mean, it reminds me of like No Man's Sky where they it's, it's a developer that really cared about the central idea of this mm-hmm. game. And like, even though it wasn't received well at launch, stuck with it, iterated, gave people what they wanted and then, you know, ended with a successful game. The uh, the No Man's Sky thing is cool. I I. I... I was excited for that game, came out, heard that it was bad, so I didn't play it. Um, and then I watched uh, a video that someone showed me where a guy basically... Uh, did you ever see that video? I think it was by Internet Historian who made like a comprehensive like hour-long video about the history of the game and the state that it yep. went through. And and uh, I watched that video and I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, And I downloaded the game and i played the crap out of it like i, I have so many <laughs> let me see how many hours i have in that game i played it for like a month straight almost like I, it was like it was crazy uh what is the no man's sky is that what it's called <laughs> yeah what's the name of that game i gotta find it in my my in inven- my steam inventory oh why not God. no person's sky that that's let's save that for another oh, no man's sky I, yeah i put 150 hours into the game <laughs> uh and it's awesome. It's amazing. Um, it's definitely still got some ways to go, but it's like it's the game that they promised at E3, which is great. And I'd say that Fallout seventy six is has a 
has a different success story, and I think that success story is just starting. Actually, um, oh, I cool. wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. I, I'd say that yes, like fall, like everybody who was a fan of Fallout seventy six, myself included, was basically just like, all right, I guess we're just waiting for the Wastelanders update because they kept like pushing it back. They even made like a a, a beta test server for it so that they could make sure that like they weren't going to like flub the launch again. And they actually like had it in beta testing for like a few months instead of just a week or whatever. And, um, and it really shows there are still a bunch of bugs in the game. I, I, I must say like, if you're, if you're going to play it like starting out, there are still a bunch of like annoying bugs, but it's, it's nothing compared to what it used to be and I feel like if it continues in that direction then I could see it being a big thing and I'm 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 just glad that they didn't give up on it. That's essentially my feeling about it because I was I was really having fun playing the game. I was just like, ah, this game this game's fun. I hope it I hope it goes somewhere. And then after a little bit I felt like I could see like the patterns that were hinting at it going in a direction that was just gonna lead to it dying off. And so I think I kind of abandoned it for that reason because I was just like I'm I'm investing my time in a game that's just killing itself like it's not it's not going well <laughs> in my opinion. Um and Wastelanders kept getting delayed and I was just like, "You know what? I'm going to stop playing, but when Wastelanders comes out, I'll see what happens." Wastelanders came out a week ago. I heard from like a few people, "Oh, this it's pretty good. You should check it out." I did a little bit of research, installed it on Steam, and man, I am hooked again, and uh, it's it's awesome. I I honestly think that the game is like two like two or three times better than than it was when I first started getting into it. And I I absolutely love the game when it was on the Bethesda launcher. So uh, besides having to install the Bethesda launcher on my computer, uh, what? Yeah. Uh, so, so the game is set in like West Virginia with all these cryptids and stuff. Like yeah. what? In the Wastelanders update, Matt, you can you can speak to this too because it sounds like you've played it before then, before this big update. Like, are they adding like, is it like just new new enemies, new landmass, and then all of these like crazy new like, landmass wasn't added? Yeah, they to be clear, they didn't areas. have to. Yeah, they they took areas that were previously just empty. Like there was a really cool area um, that was like tragically underused in my opinion because it was in the trailer it was the crash space station like there was a space station that apparently fell out of orbit and crashed in the oh, in, in the in like a big area and it's this like, cool, is it like, like it's all like swampy wreckage. right like west virginia swampy yeah it like was like right in, the, in the forest in, kind of thing it's, yeah it's in like a foresty like swampy area it's really cool but there's nothing there really like well before like there was like some super mutants that like camped out there but i mean like so what? Like every place had a super mutant. <laughs> so I mean, you could go there to get like a spacesuit, but other than that, like I think I went up to that to see the space station like once, and then I never went back because there was no point. Um, despite it being like a really cool area, and then in this update, they transformed the entire space station, the crashed space station, into like a city for the raiders, and it looks oh, awesome. Whoa. Like it's a it's an amazing like. <laughs> it's crazy how like they just did it you know what i mean like it only took them like a little under a year to make all of these really cool areas that feel very fallout for like fallouty like like in fallout 4 for example i don't know if you remember yeah um the 
in Boston, in like uh, the Boston Red Sox stadium, they transformed that stadium into a city. Diamond City. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was always such a fucking cool concept to me. I was just like, oh man, they, they, tur- they like turned an entire baseball stadium into a city. That's awesome. And with this one, it's like they're doing the same kind of thing, but like they did it with a craft space station for the Raiders and they did it with a, a ski resort for the, the settlers, like, which is like the good guys. It, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. This, this update, it's like a way I've been hearing a lot of people putting it is. Fallout 76, when it launched, was kind of a disaster, and we've been talking about why it's why it was bad. Um, and this game is like, it, like if you look at it as like a promise, like they have this template of what they're going to keep adding to the game. They're going to add single player content. They're going to keep evolving this world, and they've shown what they can do and what they're willing to do. Like right now is the point where if it looks like something you're into, like it's a good time to get in. Like this is a good base template for a game that they can continue to evolve like it like it kind of it really feels like fallout 76 has like found what it wants to do now and it Mm -hmm. has systems in place so they can do it faster without having to reinvent it and it only took them a year and a half um (laughs) but they're finally there and you know uh, what this reminds me of Another another Bethesda game. I don't know how familiar you guys you guys are with um, Elder Scrolls Online, but I remember I was so excited for that. I signed up for the beta for that as well. I played that beta, um, and I was severely disappointed by it, mostly because I'm not a big fan of MMOs like traditional MMO styles like World of Warcraft, and I was sorely disappointed to find out that it was essentially just a, a World of Warcraft clone. And it was nothing like Elder Scrolls, and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I the only benefit of playing it that I had was kind of getting some extra lore, which I'm a big fan of the Elder Scrolls lore. So I was like, oh yeah, this is neat to see this. But other than that, not a huge fan. I haven't revisited the game, but I've heard so many great things about it, such as they re like designed the entire thing from the ground up and introduced like an entire like new version of the game uh after like i don't know like four or five years after it came out like it's been out for a while yeah it's been out for a crazy amount of time but apparently at some point they were just like you know what people don't like the game so let's just make it different (laughs) and so they did Yeah, it's like after uh what what is that game final fantasy 14 did this where they i think they just shut off the servers for like a year and then released (laughs) like final fantasy 14 realm reborn I think is what it was called. That's so awesome. there's this formula of like putting out your game. If it's bad, if people don't like it, you go into hibernation, hunker down mode, yeah. and then put it put it out again. I mean that that's cool. That's cool. And yeah. I saw uh, I don't know if you know Jenna Marbles on YouTube, but I'm a big fan of hers, and she posted a video recently talking about how she was like super into Elder Scrolls Online and gave a tour of her house, and she had this like. <laughs> huge palace like i thought you know like animal crossing i've been obsessing over and you have like an island she has a like a palace the size of like the map in a lot of games that has she has this huge lake like the, it looks like like the size of like lake tahoe that has these like huge green crystals in it it's this crystal clear lake she was like swimming in it it was just amazing and i, I didn't know you could do that, that kind of thing in elder scrolls online i thought it was this uh I thought it was this, you know, like you were saying, like World of Warcraft clone, you know, with a with an Elder Scrolls skin on it. So, I mean, it seems like there's so there's so much you could do in that game. It was pretty cool, you know, because I'm a big fan of Skyrim and Oblivion. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like she, she was in like elsewhere, which is something I had heard about like a, yeah, a, a yeah. realm or country or whatever. I was disappointed to hear that they were making a, an elsewhere update because I was hoping that that was where Elder Scrolls six was going to take place. I'm a huge fan. I of think it Elder... still could be right. I think it, Elder Scrolls uh, six. Could, I think it's very unlikely. Be. They showed the trailer for it and the, the landscape that they showed that they teased looks nothing like the landscape of elsewhere. The elsewhere elsewhere's landscape is desert on the top half and jungle on the bottom half. And they showed like a rocky, uh, like beach terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, I here's my theory. This is a little theory we can we can touch on. Um, back like two or three E threes ago, they interviewed Todd Howard like just on the side, and they were just like, uh, "What what can you tell us about uh, Elder Scrolls Six? And he's just like, "Ah, well, I mean, we've just started development on Elder Scrolls Six, and and I mean, like, I could." I could tell you like what the plans we have for it. And you'd say something like, ah, what? That's, that sounds impossible. You don't have the technology for it. And that like little, like he was kind of like a throwaway thing. And like the guy didn't even like seem to register what he even meant. (laughs) But to me, that comment suggests to me that they're going to make all of Tamriel, like that they're not going to focus on just one province that they're going to make like every province available, very similar to Elder Scrolls Online. But they're actually going to build the entire thing like like a Skyrim. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, you see that with games like I know Matt, you're a big fan of The Witcher Three. Um, that's a huge game, and it feels like games are just getting bigger. And maybe like with this next generation, um, I don't know. Maybe that's something you'll see is just games straight up just being bigger, like taking yeah. the new resources that you have on new platforms. I don't you know. know more memory, more storage. I can see and just them. Like our I, game's I, huge now. Enjoy. Yeah, no, I can see them taking that approach. I, I wouldn't I can be happy them. if they did it like that, though. Unless I don't know they did how it right. Feel. Well, that's the thing is like with if you were gonna make, I mean, if you look at a map of Tamriel, like Skyrim is like a good fifteen percent of that map. So it's like what you're gonna have to make a map that is, uh, do some math here. Uh, six or seven times, six or seven, eight times bigger than Skyrim and fill it with the same density or more of the same or, or even make it even denser. Like, how are you going to pull that off? No, which that's what why, I'm saying. Which like, exactly. Well, what is, I mean, that might have been what he was saying with like, you, exactly. don't, you wouldn't you wouldn't take us seriously because we don't have the technology or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe they figured out say, some machine learning shit to just make that happen. Yeah, exactly. He could say something along the lines of, yeah, we're going to make all of Tamriel. And then immediately you and I would say, oh, what, do you mean, what are you talking about? You don't even have the technology to do that. <laughs> so to me, that applic- that applies to it. And then whenever they show the trailer, they just showed a generic landscape that could have been in a number of provinces. Like it, And mm-hmm. a lot of people were pointing to, to uh, Daggerfall but Daggerfall was already the subject of like I think it was Elder Scrolls Two. So, yeah, that was one of the first games. Daggerfall. So I don't know if they would revisit it completely for a new Elder Scrolls. It seems unlikely to me. My my take on it, on like hearing that you, like I doubt that it could be the entire continent. Like I don't doubt that they could make the map. Like if they got a new engine, <laughs> they could probably do a lot of yeah. things. They could probably make something huge. But the reason I don't even think that would be good is like Skyrim had a lot of stuff to do and it like was a tiny map comparison but it's not i highly doubt that if skyrim was a full game that if they had the entire world that the level of content would be that high throughout the game right 
Like they could probably mm-hmm. spread quests out more, but I feel like that world would feel a lot more hollow or there's a lot yeah. less to do unless they filled it with like procedurally generated stuff, which they had yeah. in Skyrim. That wasn't very good. And like, yeah, it's been 10 years. You can probably do something better, but well, I don't well, know. Well, Matt, it's, it's I, been, okay, Matt, it's been 10 years. Bethesda is one of the biggest game companies in the world. The game industry is one of the biggest tech industries in the world. And the entire tech industry right now is driven almost entirely by insane innovations in machine learning, artificial intelligence. So who's not to say that these big software companies like Bethesda have made big investments in the same kind of like machine learning, procedural generation, AI that companies like Facebook and, you know, Twitter have 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 got into recently to I mean do entirely new things like maybe they're maybe they figured out a way to procedurally generate like quests and content that feel like they're you know hand tuned and maybe yeah. they get maybe they generate them and then go back and tune them a little bit I know a lot of games uh, I think even Fallout games would like procedurally generate their maps and then have this huge process of going and touching everything up and customizing it um, I don't know I mean maybe there's been advancements there I heard that that's how they made a majority of uh, of Fallout 76 actually. But see, yeah. we spent we spent a good chunk of this podcast talking about how bad Fallout 76 was, which is a recent game, and we're also yeah, the map going isn't bad. The map is bad. And it's bad, using an old but, engine. But this is the same <laughs> like it's not the same studio, granted, like I understand that, but I think it's a stretch to say that this studio that is like is that is responsible for one of the biggest train wrecks of a game in the past couple years is also going to come out with this insanely thing like i'm highly skeptical of that i would love if they could do it i doubt that that's the case i, uh, I just I, think that i think in when we talk about a next generation of games i don't think the big i don't think the big innovation the big difference between like the xbox one ps4 switch generation and whatever this next generation is going to be i don't think it's going to be graphics you know, like it's what most people oh, think yeah, of going from the past generations. I think a lot of it's going to be in in AI, in machine learning. And like there's been lately this huge boom. You know, we've talked about it with, you know, our incredibly popular podcast, the Joe Roguelike Experience. There's been a uh, big push in procedurally generated roguelike um, kind of endless games. And I, I know, Dane, you're a huge fan of this genre. So it would make a whole lot of sense to me that there's this trifecta of an industry driven by huge innovations in AI, a consumer base who's hungry for more roguelikes, more procedural generated games, more endless games. Like that seems like a, a match made in heaven for a really big play that we haven't seen yet to be made in that in that direction. I mean, a great example of exactly what you're talking about, which I mean, we touched on it already, was that the, a huge like poll i think of of uh, no man's sky was that everything was procedurally generated which exactly it was it was so cool it, it is very cool but after a while it gets very repetitive so it, i think that it's a good it's a good example of like okay the, yeah that i like this concept but we need to flesh out uh like the variables we need to make more variables make sure that that it doesn't feel like oh i'm seeing patterns like humans are very pattern seeking creatures. So I, I feel like if you can, if you can like work out a way to, to remove all of the patterns from uh, procedurally generated games, then I think that uh, it can be, I think that it can be like the next huge thing. And I, I think that, I think that Bethesda realizes that they, 
they kind of set the bar pretty high with Skyrim. Uh, of course, Marwin and Oblivion were huge games, but Skyrim, I think, was like the first huge mainstream RPG mm-hmm. uh, to like become like a household name. And so I think that they think that they know that they have huge shoes to fill, but I also think that they have uh, they have like their eyes set on being the next ambitious game. Uh, I think that that started to show with their ambitious uh, like idea of Fallout seventy six. I think that they were just like, oh yeah, let's make a game where where all of the players are people. Like they like that idea, and I think that a similar board meeting probably happened where they're just like, all right, guys, listen to me for fall for I mean for Skyrim. I mean no, not Skyrim for Skyrim two. for Skyrim two <laughs> for Elder Scrolls six. How about instead of we pick instead of picking another province we make the entire continent and then people applaud and then they they fucking figure it out later or probably more realistic situation they say all right we make the entire province and people are like wait how are we going to do that and he's like procedurally generated map and procedurally generated ai procedurally generate the entire thing we don't even have to make the game guys we just make the computer that does it and they're like ah they all stand up and cheer so i think (laughs) i think that that idea probably is so attractive to them that i don't know if they would say no to it and i don't i think that they think that that would be a great selling point for the game and i think that (laughs) i think i think the selling point is the big thing that they need to get down with skyrim it was like oh you can dual wield uh uh, spells <laughs> i don't know like you can, sh- it was, yeah. you can shout I mean, you can dude. fight huge dra- yeah you can fight huge dragons which is honestly the big thing I, I don't think that an enemy has been that massive and that like well coded for being that massive in a game before skyrim i don't i might be talking it's about got good ass, coding but, it's but got i remember good coding it was very like the dragon fights were actually very good and and what's funny about Fallout 76 is the Scorch Beast fights, fights are very reminiscent of the dragon. <laughs> oh, cool. See- Wait, a Scorch Beast is, uh, if, from what I remember of like Fallout 76 trailers, that's basically a dragon, like a nuclear dragon it's a, kind of it's thing. A, it's essentially a massive bat. Like bats somehow became the size of dragons when they got nuclearized. So, uh, and they're massive and they're probably one of the tougher creatures to fight, mostly just because they, they're airborne all the time and uh, they have really tough armor and stuff and they screech at you and they're annoying. Um, they Fusro die you. They do. They're very dragon like everybody just, they joke around and say, Oh, they're just a reskin dragon. But I mean like, they, yeah, it is. And I like it because I liked fighting the dragons in Skyrim. Yeah, the dragons, and, one of the coolest parts of Skyrim. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If only there was a uh, dragon Ren shout <laughs> in, uh, in fallout because, um, Getting those bastards to land on the ground so you can fight them on the ground is annoying because there's a lot of people who run melee in my in um in Fallout, but in uh, in Skyrim I think they were just like yeah everybody runs melee we have to give them a shout that forces the dragon to land or else you can't fight them like you're not gonna shoot arrows yeah. at them <laughs> yeah you you would have to rely on sneaking up behind them and punching them yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> before they take off into the sky um but yeah I think that um. I think that Bethesda, I think that they are ambitious and I think that they are learning from their mistakes, which is also nice, uh, mm-hmm. as evidenced in Fallout 76 and, and ESO alike. The reason why I was bringing up ESO to begin with is that I heard from a developer conference like a, from a year ago that they're working on a concept that they're calling um, uh, One Wasteland, which is reminiscent of One Tamriel 
the one Tamriel concept that they came up with for Elder Scrolls, and they they said that they shamelessly sold, stole the name from that, um, which they're it's okay to do because they're from the same company. But um, <laughs> essentially, from what I heard about the update that they made called One Tamriel to Elder Scrolls Online, I'm not hugely familiar with it, but apparently this is how it goes. So I may may have butchered I may butcher it, but um, apparently there are certain level zones like in in um, like it's like in World of Warcraft, like right where certain enemy, certain zones are going to be off limits to you because um, there are too high le- level enemies there, and you'll get killed. So you just can't mm-hmm. go there until you grind in the smaller level areas, right? Yeah, yeah. So apparently, with with um, that, they had that same concept going in, in Elder Scrolls Online, but everybody was like, "It's annoying. I want to be able to go over to Morrowind to see the Dark Elves, but I can't because it's too high a level area. I have to stick around here in Cyrodiil and hang out with all the stupid humans and grind on little pigs or whatever until I can get over there." <laughs> Yeah, so they were pigs. they were irritated with that, which honestly, it's like, yeah, that is a dumb concept. It's old. They obviously just stole it from World of Warcraft, and they thought it would work, and people don't like it, and people want to explore. So, and they don't like to grind to explore. So they changed it apparently to where you can go anywhere in the entire continent, and the enemies that you encounter are automatically scaled to your level, including when you're playing with other people. So people. Uh, who are playing with you will see a character as uh, being scaled to their level and that same enemy will be scaled to your level as well. But it'll be like instanced kind of. It's like a live instance, if that makes sense. You know what an instance is? No, I mean, if the ratio is the same, like if I'm level one and you're level 100, then I'm fighting a guy doing the same amount of relative damage that you are. Yeah, exactly. I see what you mean. So apparently they're going to take that concept and apply it to Fallout 76, which is a great thing because... They need it um, way more in 76. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, there are certain levels, there are certain areas um, of the map where higher level enemy spawning, you just can't go there. But also, uh, they have it set up in a way where if a higher... Uh, they have it kind of... Um, they have it like that concept kind of in the game already, but it's more inconvenient than anything because if I go into an area where a lower level player has already has already been uh, recently, then all of the enemies in the area will be like level five or whatever, and it's like oh I'm not going to get any XP from this. I'm not going to get any good items. Uh, conversely, if I go to an area and I leave that area or whatever. Like I will have infected that area with my high level, right? And if a new player goes into that area, then they're gonna find a bunch of level sixty enemies, and like by no fault of their own. So it's just kind of irritating in that way. Um, I've been above level fifty for over well, a year and a half now, so I, I can't really say that it's affected me in a hugely negative way compared to a bunch of new players. But I can only imagine it's probably irritating to run into these like impossibly to fight uh, enemies all the time. And it also just encourage people to play together more because it's like, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about level scaling and stuff. I used to play with my friend Mac all the time and she's a much lower, lower level character than I am. And in order to farm XP, what she would do is she would just follow me around. I would go to the high level areas and she would just like tap enemies uh, once and then run away <laughs> and then I would finish them <laughs> off so that she would get the XP for him. It's like, that's kind of stupid. Like, why is that a feature in the game? Like, 
It's like in Pokemon putting out your low-level guy to level him up when <laughs> yep. you're fighting with <laughs> your high-level exactly, guy. It's exactly like that. So I'm excited for that update. They're also going. They're also promised that they're going to make perk loadouts, which there's only a mod for it now. Um, I honestly couldn't. I can't live without that mod. So I'm glad that they're considering adding it as a feature in the game. They're also probably going to be. What can you can you go into that? What do, what do you mean a perk loadout? So like um, with Fallout, it's like a with Fallout 76, it's like completely different than the path of perks work in um, in Fallout 4. With Fallout 4, you just kind of pick the perks and then they're just kind of passively on your character from that point on. You can go on perk trees and stuff. You can invest certain points and skills, and then that if you have enough points in a certain skill, you'll unlock uh, more perks down that perk tree or whatever. And it was pretty simple. It was just basic. Uh, like, oh, like if I have a lot of strength, then I'll eventually unlock the perk uh, where I can carry more things or something, or I can punch harder. But with this, it's like you have... It's, it's actually kind of cool. I like the concept a lot. And I think it's one of the things that the game kind of does well in a way because um, it makes like builds interesting, um, like character builds. Uh, you have these cards that you can unlock and then you put the card in a certain stat and say a card is worth like two points and you have eight strength, then you can put that card in, in your in your strength uh, stat and maybe that card says something like you can carry more things or you can punch harder. And then you have like six more things you can put in there. Like you can find a three level card or whatever, a three star card. Uh, that allows you to do something, you put it in there. And so you have to pick and choose from all these cards and basically just it's a cool like little weird way to come up with ways to to make certain characters. Like you can make like a sniper character, just invest all of your points in like in perception or, or agility and and pick the the perks that that benefit like a person who use uses rifles or guns or something or uses like stealth. Uh I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but anyway, yeah. uh, it's a very interesting system. I've never seen it in a game before, and I think it works relatively well. The only problem I have with it is that in order to do certain things like unlock doors, you have to equip a perk uh, that says, like, oh, you can unlock a door. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that perk is taking up space in your in your slot, so the only time that it's actually useful to have it in your slot is when you're about to unlock a door. And then when you're not unlocking a door, which is about 99.9% of the game, <laughs> that perk is just taking up a slot in your, in your where you could put something much more useful. So a lot of people just go into their perk and like their perk loadout when they're about to unlock a door, they enable the, the lock pick thing and then they unlock the door and then they go back into their perk loadout. They, they take that thing off. They replace it with a better one that's going to be more passive all the time. Uh, it's annoying uh, and it's irritating. And people are like, "Oh, it, at the very least, you should make us able to have loadouts or something so that we can quickly switch between like uh, these perks instead of having to go in and scroll through them and find them." It's it's very not very user friendly, um, and it's weird that things like uh, being able to unlock something is is a is a perk to begin with. It seems like something that should just be passive in the background all the time, which I don't know. I have a feeling that they're probably going to redesign it entirely so that you can have certain passive perks like that instead of having to equip them and unequip them. But who knows? Um, I think that they just are, are they're They're realizing that, yeah, the system on paper, like everything else in the game on paper, it seems good, 
we got to redesign it a little bit, make it a little bit more user friendly, make sure that everybody's everybody likes it. You know, I think that I think that they can pull it off. I think that they know what they're doing at this point. Uh, Wastelanders has shown me that they that they have some idea of what um, what people want from them, and they're going to give it to them, and they're going to work hard on it as as far as I can tell. Yeah, it just seems like such a new kind of game for Bethesda that maybe they overestimated their ability oh, yeah. to translate the single player success yeah. that, they, that they had with these new loops where people are going in and grinding, yeah. going in and doing MMO-like things. Um, Definitely. Like over a long period of time. Like I'm just so glad that, that they would there, pay for a subscription there, is, there is like a beating heart behind it that is learning from the, their mistakes <laughs> that is actually like listening to what people want and doing it. There are so many features in the game that I was absent, I wasn't playing uh, when they introduced them, and I found that they were in the game later, and I was like, oh my god, I remember people on the subreddit like asking for that, and now it's in the game, and it's and it's just been in the game, and I didn't know. <laughs> like, it's cool to like see that, and and I don't know, it just reminds me that I don't know. These are these are like artists, guys. Like, you can't just say like, ah, oh, they made a fucking shitty game and they did it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> like no, they didn't. They want to make a good game. Like they're just like obstacles to their projects, like anything else. And uh, most of the time, that's just people who are just like, no, you need to put the game out right now, and needs to make this amount of money, or else we're going to shut you down. Like, yeah, it's like the systems that they're building and iterating over time are more of an art than a, than a science because they need to be they need to be subjected to so many different people that it has to conform to like to people's taste, not just what makes sense on paper. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those idiots that thinks that video games are an art form. So I, I always have that in my, I have that in my (laughs) mind. I don't know. There are some people that are just like, no, it's not, it's a product or whatever. It's, it's, it's both. But at the same time, there are artists behind these games. Like you can very clearly find that in, in fallout games, uh, and especially with this update, I found so many funny little things where I laughed to myself. There, <laughs> there's a, there's like a weird thing that I stumbled upon today, where I just found a guy, like a dead, a dead body, like a man, uh, dead body <laughs> next to a pipe, an exposed pipe in the ground that was like spurting out like steam. And he was dead on, and the only thing on his body that I looted was a note that just said in all caps is that pipe is life or something. <laughs> and, and then you can walk up to the pipe and the only thing you can do with it to interact with it, it says like, press E to sniff the pipe, like the, the, the steam coming out of the pipe. And I was just like, uh, this doesn't seem like a good idea, but I'll do it. You sniff the pipe and then it just basically just like makes you drunk and like you fucking like fall over. And it's just like somebody like spent a, at least like a, couple days making that or like they probably even spent like their lunch break doing that (laughs) i mean like (laughs) and i'm just like man that's funny like they probably just had that idea i was like what was there's this mister's pipe coming out of the ground with steam coming out and there's a dead body next to it and the guy was just like obviously sniffed it too much and then you can sniff it (laughs) and then you can sniff the pipe and then it makes you crazy when you sniff it like the stuff like that that's really funny that's always been such a fun part of Fallout games that, that, I, that I've played is those <laughs> yeah. like funny little environmental things where you, you see the dead body or you see, you know, like the, the thing that shouldn't be there, like way the <laughs> hell out in the wasteland. Yeah, and that's yeah. such a cool part about just like the concept behind these games where it's like you're, you're exploring a world where a ton of stuff happened that led to these worlds being post-apocalyptic that by the time you get there, <laughs> you're just discovering all of these like horrible and sometimes darkly <laughs> funny things. There was a, oh, that's great. 
there's a porta potty. I opened the porta potty and there was like just a note, and the note was it. It was called like um, it was called uh, mysterious poem, and like it was, <laughs> somebody wrote a poem about like shitting. It was like <laughs> it was actually really funny, and I and in my head I I was laughing at it, but after I like walked away from it, I was just like. Man, like somebody wrote that who like works for the like works on this game like wrote a a shitting like a poem about shitting and put it in a in a in a in an outhouse that like barely anybody's going to even look in. You know what I mean? Like it's so funny to me like the the idea behind all of these little things that there are there are essentially just artists who their entire job is just to make weird encounters for people. And uh it's really fun. I like it. I like that about Fallout games, and I'm glad that they're bringing it back a little bit with like the human characters. There are a bunch of like random NPCs. Before we started doing this podcast, I went to the uh, theme park. There's like a an abandoned theme park where you can go and like do little mini games, and uh, you can do the mini games every day to like get uh, rep or whatever or currency or something. And I walked in there like I always did. And there was like a, a lady in a mascot head standing outside it, and she scared the shit out of me because I didn't realize that she was a real human. I forgot for a second that there were real humans in the game. And she was just like, hey, buddy, you want to get on one of the rides or something? And I was just like, what the fuck? And, and <laughs> I, I that, like, whenever we're done with this podcast, I want to go and talk to her because like, what the hell? Who is that? <laughs> I didn't have time to talk to her because I was getting off to do the podcast, but I was just like excited. I was just like, what? There's like a person here now, and she's like a crazy lady at the amusement park by herself in a in a in a <laughs> mascot head. What is it? What is this? What's going on? So I'm glad that that aspect of the game is has made a return from the old games. Uh, and I think that if you're a fan of that, if you're a fan of, here's what I'll say: if you're a fan of Fallout Four or even any Fallout game for that matter, then I think you'll like Fallout Seventy Six. Like it's it's essentially just a new Fallout game. I don't see why it being multiplayer has to chase anybody away. Like you can play it like a multiplayer game very easily. Like there are occasionally someone, there's somebody who's also playing the same game as you in the same world as you, but it doesn't, you don't have to do anything. You can, you can emote at them and leave. Like that's essentially what all interactions boil down to at the end of the day anyway. In life really. I mean, not just, it's true. It's true. It's like life. I'm sorry, I took up most of the entire podcast talking about how much I like Fallout 76, a game that nobody likes, but... Um, <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, as a as a bad boy of comedy, I think you have to delve into things that people don't like to show them, you know, true, what, they, yes, what they do. True, yes, It's something that I like, and uh, I know I'm weird, and I, I think I only like bad games, um, so there's that. I like all the bad games. Well... If you like bad podcasts, this has not been one. Uh, and uh, that's my way of <laughs> that's my way of uh, cutting the podcast uh, because this has been a typically long one um, as we typically do um, when we when we record together. But Dan, it seems like you're into games that have weird economies. I, I it started I, with hats. <laughs> I, I promise it's just a coincidence that one game after another that I've been obsessed with, Animal Crossing and Fallout 76, <laughs> they have weird economies, all right? I don't know. I guess You're you could say TF2. Now. I guess it's like TF2 has a weird economy is that it's hat-based, but I, like I said before, I don't really participate as much in that as uh, you'd think. But maybe you're right. Maybe I, 
I maybe I'm an uh, economist at heart or something, and I like that. Well, you know, like like Las Vegas, right, is a city a city built on sin, but not everyone there gambles. You know, it's a city built on gambling. Some mm-hmm. people are just attracted to the riffraff. Maybe you're attracted to the riffraff that comes along with these janky ass weird economies. In, I think you might games. have something there. I think I'm attracted <laughs> to the lawlessness of it. There's a <laughs> there's no like. The only real rules that are set in place are the limitations of the video game <laughs> rather than the law. <laughs> like in like in real life, the, uh, the limitations of the economy is set in place by the law. If you uh, disobey the limitations of the economy, you go to jail or prison and die in prison. Um, mm-hmm. But in video games, maybe you'll get banned. <laughs> like there's not really any risk. So it's like, it's fun. It's like, a, you know, it's like a fun little experiment. It's like a petri dish where you're just like, oh man, look at this. Look at this. Look at these guys go. They're really they they found a loophole and they're taking advantage of it. Look at them go. Yeah, mass devaluation. So they establish a new <laughs> currency. You know, like <laughs> yes, the reactions of the developers. These little things happening where it's just like, oh, they devalued our currency. Let's make a new one. <laughs> yeah, like an Animal Crossing's new weed based economy. You yes, know, anything the weed goes. <laughs> the weed spiracy is going to start a new uh, the new um, the new world. I mean, that honestly wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of, I mean, it would surprise me because that'd be a very funny thing to happen in Animal Crossing, <laughs> but it wouldn't because if already like a new economy is forming around like something that's purely based on time, if there's something purely based on both time and scarcity, because only like one fifth of people can get these weeds, like it's kind of like earbuds from TF2, which is something only <laughs> a few people could get, yeah. you know, it's this fixed amount thing. That um, there are only know, guys, a certain I, amount of earbuds in in the world, so yeah, exactly. New, no new ones were being created, so yeah, it was like an, a weird situation. <laughs> but earbuds crashed. Did you know that? Are you serious? They they're they're worth about as much as any relatively rare hat now. They're not no, worth a crazy what? amount. I that was like the that was like the gold standard when I was into TFT. Oh, I training. know. Like that there were bills there hats. were bills, yeah, bills and buds. <laughs> bills were and the buds. were yeah, the bills gold? bills for for our <laughs> listeners. Bills hats were Bill from Left for Dead. If you like pre ordered Left for Dead, you got Bill's hat in Team Fortress Two. <laughs> and so few people did that, I guess that it was a like predictable amount. There was a predictable or there was a known amount of Bill's hats in the game, meaning it was like a good standard for a currency, and you could trade those, and it was always worth worth kind of the same thing. And earbuds were i think people who installed tf2 on a mac a on, Macintosh, a, uh, on yeah. mac os then you got a pair of earbuds like the ipod earbuds iphone earbuds um and there was a fixed amount of those because they only did it for a certain amount of time but how do they crash i honestly i have no idea i just woke up one day and they were like <laughs> earbuds crashed uh, and, <laughs> and everybody was like, like everybody's yeah. offloading their earbuds like crazy like it was it was weird um and i own it i i remember for a while i was just like oh the earbuds are kind of cool like i wish that i could buy them but they're really expensive uh now i have some that i bought because they are uh, they became affordable <laughs> and i just have them to wear but before it was like you would wear earbuds and a bud or you would wear a bill's hat and an earbud to like flex how like financially stable you were you know that's certainly so, what i would do when i played tf2 she's like yeah i'm a trader yeah look at this i'm wearing currency on my head you know <laughs> so um, oh you have yeah. balenciagas that's cute i have a bills i honestly i i would i think that that would be a cool like history uh video like why did earbuds 
oh, oh, like why did those two items crash? Like it's so strange. I'm sure maybe there are trader uh, YouTubers who have probably talked about it, um, but it would be cool to at least look into. Maybe I should. I would just love look to see a documentary on the whole history of the TF2 economy because <laughs> there's been so much to it in over yeah. like like a decade or more that uh, I would love to watch. Like, cause there's, I mean, even the, the small amount of time I spent, um, comparatively on TF2, like there was drama on the TF2 trading servers I would go on to where like one girl got like picked up as a mod on a trading server, but then she embezzled a bunch of hats <laughs> and like lost the trust of the collective that she was a part of. It was, you know, it's a wild west. It attracts all sorts of characters. Dude, I'm a, uh, that's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> A documentary about like the TF2 economy and the history of like that, because there's a bunch of yeah. weird little oh, mini stories awesome. that came along with that. Like I think Valve hired an an econom like it. How do you pronounce it? An economist, economist. an economist to actually be in charge of formulating like a working economy <laughs> in TF2. Yeah, they had like a Federal Reserve and of hats. He, he that, went on to be the, the minister of the economy in uh, Greece. Yes, and then Greece's yeah. economy crashed. Shots so, fired. So, well, because they transitioned the standard to to buds and they crashed. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody was like joking about that when that happened. They're just like, oh no, the guy that the guy that came up with the TF2 economy like crashed a real economy <laughs> in, in the real world. Wait, is that you, are you guys memeing right now? Did that actually happen? No, that really happened. Like the guy, no! is, the guy who did that no, is the same not. guy that is 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 at fault largely to blame for Greece's economy crashing. You guys are joking right now. I no. I didn't know it went to that level. I thought he came in while it was already in the trash to help. You fix could it. be right about that, but I think that he didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody was just like, oh, yeah, that cringy guy that didn't do anything good for Greece. Uh, yeah, he's the guy that came up with the, the TF2 economy. So, <laughs> that's so funny. That's yeah, so funny. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. See, that's what's so interesting about it. And I think it's just something that is uniquely, I mean, uniquely in a position to make something like that and make it relevant. Um, but I also just think it's really interesting. Like you said, I have a, I have a, an automatic interest in a video game economy. So it could be something as a whole... Like generally the theme is video game economies, but centered around TF2s. And like the thing about it also is like right now we're here speculating. You are this guy who has like, what what, what do you have? Like 8,000 8, hours or some crazy shit in TF2. Like yeah. you should you should know this, but you don't. And like that that implies to me that there's no <laughs> source of, I'm not, you know, no through no yeah. fault of your own. Because it's this crazy story, there's no source of truth. There's no single like document or single video that's like, oh yeah, this is the history of that thing. Like yeah. that would be that would be really interesting to just have a definitive history of the TF2 economy because it's like I I wonder if you could like compare it to the size of like a small nation's economy with the amount of like oh like relative hat dollars in circulation yeah. throughout the history of the game for like, sure it's, it's it's such a huge scale I think at the I think at the largest point the CS:GO uh, skin economy was at I think it was greater than the GDP of small nations. <laughs> like it was i, I think it was it. like almost like a billion dollars or something yeah i think you're um, right with all which the was, it was propped up with the gambling and whatnot but yeah like i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> yeah. if like you know like uh the csgo economy <laughs> beat out with like measured in the top 100 economies in the world yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it would be interesting I, I actually know a lot of people who would be able to speak to uh like give information on that i'm pretty 
decent friends with um, the creator of Scrap.tf and Marketplace.tf, which are two sites that uh, deal in real money trading for for TF2 items. And it's like the premier site for for getting items for like their actual value. Um, and I think, that, and I've talked to him a bunch of times at the, and then at the few places that we've met up and talked and like, we've gotten along very well and, and he has a lot to say on the subject and he's very, very well-spoken. So I think it'd be a very cool person to, in, uh, to interview. And I know a bunch of also a bunch of like prominent TF2 traders that I could interview just about their experience trading in the TF2 community. I think it would be pretty fun. It would be an interesting little, uh, little thing. Because, like you said, it's something that I'm interested in, but I don't know very much about, so I could play that character. It's like, man, I would just want to learn more about this, and I could film that experience and make it into a daco, you know? Yeah, for real. It's exciting. Thank you for the idea. Just like how before, uh, you getting me into the game of TF2, you're now getting me into the concept of a video that I might And and Dane, Dane, I've told you that I will be the one to introduce you to TF3. Yes. uh, When that comes out, make sure you (laughs) tell me... (laughs) I'd like to know. Uh, I'll be like, Dane, I have a feeling you're going to like this game. I think I will too. I think I'll love it. I think I'll love it. Um, okay. Speaking of love, uh, I love ending the podcast because this is the Motion Pixels podcast. I'm your co host, August Meyer, uh, a bad boy of podcasting, uh, joined by my co host, Matt, uh, who is similarly a bad boy of podcasting. Matt, is that correct? Uh, I, yes, yes. And coincidentally, as two bad boys, we this week uh, were joined by uh, Uncle Dane, uh, who is the bad boy of comedy. Actually, Dane, is that is that correct? That is yes, that is correct, and it is a strange coincidence that I am uh, accompanying you, but it's uh, just kind of what happened. Yeah, and uh, coincidentally, you know, as as bad boys, uh, that's the end. Bye. Bye. finished.